Hi, church. So this morning, I actually I spent the past couple of weeks preparing a message. It, it seems like every time I Tony asks me to preach, I know what I'm going to preach on. I know what scripture, and I prepare myself as such. But usually, God's pretty faithful around two or three in the morning before to wake me up and say nope. So um, this morning, as I share, um, my prayer for you is that. As you hear the words um, that the Lord gives you, that you would know that this is not my testimony. Um, though I am going to share with you an experience of mine, um, it, my desire is that you would see the Lord's faithfulness through it. Uh, I truly believe that a testimony is no testimony unless Jesus is the focus of it. So as I share this morning, I just I really would pray that you would hear that this morning. Um, and basically... You know, what I want to talk about is, you know, who Jesus is. Mike, Pastor Mike focused on that this morning uh, a little bit, and he talked about who Jesus was. Uh, Jesus we serve who is high and powerful, um, and that he is coming again. But he already came once too, and what I want to share with you is that God comes for us. And I think that's very important in this day and age because we live in a culture uh, we as people and human beings, our normal position is to earn. Um, I think I say this every time I'm up here, but it's true. In our relationships, you know, think about first date you went on, whether it was with your significant other or not. You know, when the first date I went on with Jenny, I know she liked plaid shirts, so I put on a plaid shirt. And I got all my hair did, and I cleaned up. I actually took a shower, and, uh, you know, because I wanted her to like me. And I wanted her eventually to, you know, fall in love with me and uh, all that good stuff and maybe even kiss me. I don't remember if she did. Don't tell her that. Uh, but anyway, you know, that's the thing. And girls, you know, you get all dialed up. You put on your best dress and your earrings and your jewelry and you put on that perfume that smells real nice. And we want people to like us. Even at work, you know, we, we work to earn our boss's uh, affections and the respect of our employers. But it doesn't work like that with Jesus. And for us to approach him in that position completely nullifies the power and the importance of the gospel. Uh, so I wanted to share with you a scripture this morning in Romans 5, uh, 7 through 11. And while you're turning there, really what I'm going to focus on this morning is A, how God comes for us despite ourselves, and how he fights for us even after the fact. Uh, so the scripture reads, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we have we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life more than that we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation and um, you know within that scripture the main theme that the Lord was showing me as I was reading and praying over that was that while we were still sinners Jesus came and died for us while we were at our worst Jesus came suffered for us, and took on the burden and the wrath that we deserved. 
even when we are running from him, he still comes for us. And I think that's very important for us because maybe I'll just read this. I'll just read the scripture that I had and then I'll go into it. But um, I think that this truth is shown more in the story of Moses uh, than anywhere else. Um, and I was reading that this morning and we know the story of Moses. He was born a Jew uh, under the uh, enslavement of Egypt and the Pharaoh concerned with the growth of the Jews and the spreading of the Jews had told all the midwives kill all the first kill all the sons kill all the kids so they were doing that but when Moses was born the midwife did not kill him but the mother put him in a little basket and put him down the river and what happened was was a Pharaoh's daughter found him brought him home and asked the father to raise him which he allowed when that happened that woman called in a slave to nurse and raise him which ended up being Moses's mother so Moses's mother trust in trusting God saved his, her son in hopes that he would live just to raise him for the next 18 years I mean that's sovereignty right there if anything to me preaches the sovereignty of God it's that and when when I when I was praying about this and you're gonna have to excuse me this morning this is kind of a hard subject for me so if I seem to stutter a little bit or I'm ineloquent I apologize but I wanted to share with you a testimony the Lord really put it on my heart and I, I've kind of alluded to this previously um, but I myself have struggled with pornography addiction from the majority of my life it started when I was 10 years old and you know the circumstances around it really aren't that important you know I was I was a typical picked on kid rejected by my friends by my peers um, you know divorced family depressed kid by nature and you know I found that and that was the one thing that I could control that was the one thing that didn't reject me and when I was 10 it started um, I have no rhyme or reason for it other than I found it and as I grew up and learned to hide it more and more it became harder and harder to stop and by the time I was 18 it was pretty much a full-blown addiction um, you know my relationships uh, I had two girlfriends while I was a teenager and they both suffered because of it the way I looked at them was completely different from the way that maybe I should have um, and it really it me even with Jennifer you know when we started dating in my mid-twenties it was just something that I couldn't stop I couldn't give it up and I wouldn't give it up and you know um, I ended up you know thank I, really my marriage is also a big testimony to the sovereignty and power of God because I broke up with my wife three times before we were married I asked her to marry me and she said no the first time but uh, the second time she said yes and you know we got married um, when I finally met Jesus I still didn't know how to confront it <clears throat> but I know he had come for me and I know that I have heard the word that he loved me and he died for my sins but something wasn't lining up and it wasn't till I gave my heart to God to Jesus until I said Jesus come be Lord of my life that I realized that there was a living relationship there and that that in that living relationship 
I realized that God sent his son for me and that in all my struggling to be an amazing musician or an amazing husband or a, a boy that did not struggle anymore, in all my efforts, it was nothing compared to what God did for me by sending his son. And when I finally met him, when I finally gave my heart to him, I had realized that, oh my gosh, despite my sinfulness, despite who I was, God loved me anyway and set his cherished, precious, only son to die for me. And by his precious blood, I was redeemed. By his precious blood, I was made pure, holy, and righteous again. And when Moses grew up and he became 18, he committed murder. He walked out amongst his people and he saw uh, a slave driver beating a Jew. And he fought that slave driver and ended up killing him. And he ended up running. He ran from his people and he was in the wilderness for a very, very, very long time. And what happened was, in the midst of his wandering, he met a woman, he settled down, and he found a family that took him in. But here comes God, in the middle of it all, to um, screw things up, I guess is a better word. Didn't really screw it up, but you know what I mean. He came to him in a burning bush, and he commanded him to go back to Egypt. He was going to use Moses as a tool of deliverance for his people. Despite the fact he was raised as an Egyptian, despite the fact he committed murder, Jesus, God came to him in a vision and said, I'm going to use you despite the fact you don't want to. And you're going to complain to me this whole conversation. And you're going to say, but this, but this, and you're going to make excuse after excuse. I am still going to send you to Egypt, and I'm still going to use you as a tool of deliverance for my people because I love them so much. And he did that. And when he went back there, he spoke with Pharaoh. And it says in the scriptures that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart so that God's glory might be put on display. And a lot of people, uh, you know, debate that topic on whether God hardened his heart or God's word hardened Pharaoh's heart. I don't think it really matters. It's just that the Pharaoh was indignant because he himself thought he was a deity. He thought he was the God for the Egyptians, and when you feel that you're God or you have an idol in your life, when the true living God comes to you, normally your heart just gets hardened. It's not always, it's not like that forever, and by the grace and, God, grace and mercy of God, he sends Jesus to soften your heart and make it human again and tender towards repentance, love, and all that good stuff. So he sent Moses back, and um, I'm sorry. He sent Moses back, and he, and he brought nine plagues upon his people. Each time before each plague, Moses went to the, Moses and Aaron went to the Pharaoh and said, "Release my people." And then he would say no, and then Pharaoh would say, oh, "This is going to happen," and then it would happen. Despite the Pharaoh's indignant behavior, despite the trial that faced Moses and Aaron, God was faithful to his people, and he fought for his people. Yes, other people 
suffered at his hands. But never once did God's plan fall away. God had set his heart on his people from the beginning, and he was going to release his people, and he was going to see that through no matter what. And this is what we see playing out in Moses and Aaron in the book of Exodus with the Egyptians. And so we know what happens after the ninth plague, which takes every firstborn son, even Pharaoh's. Pharaoh releases them. He says, get out of my sight. I want no part of this anymore. And so he releases them. And so the, 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 the Israelites are on their way out, and Pharaoh realizes what just happened. He got rid of all of his help. All of his work, all those people building bricks out of clay and straw were gone. So he took his army, and he went after them. He went after them. And so the people were, had come to the Red Sea. The Israelites saw a sea before them, and they had heard the uh, Egyptians were coming behind them. And they were trapped. And then they started crying out, Oh, how did you bring us out to this place just so we could be lied in graves? And, you know, it would, be, it would be better for us to be back in slavery. And then Moses says in Exodus chapter 14, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you will only have to be silent. The Lord will fight for you, and you only have to be silent. When I had finally come to the Lord, and I had confronted this thing inside of me, and when I had finally said, you know, Lord, I don't know what to do about it anymore. I've, it's been, it's been, um, let's see, what's 10 plus 18, 28? It's been 18 years, and um, no, no victory in sight. There's no way I can stop this. And there was a pastor in my life at that point who, um, God bless him, he decided that he was going to, you know, lend me his shoulder uh, and help me to bear this burden. And he he called me one night and he said, I'm going to take you out for a burger. And it's, uh, I find that, you know, over burgers and fries sometimes I'm usually more receptive because, well, you know, it was a Baconator and they're pretty amazing. And Wendy's fries are probably the best with the sea salt. But uh, I digress. Uh, and we sat there, and he talked to me about it. And he shared with me how he had the same struggle. And he shared with me how it was the Lord that delivered him from it. And that despite his struggle, despite his temptation, the Lord still loved him and brought him through it. And that all we have to do is submit and surrender our hearts to the Lord. Because he's already there. He's already desired us. All we have to do is turn our eyes to him, seek him, and give him our hearts. And that's what Moses was basically saying to his people. He was saying that your Lord is going to fight for you. All you have to do is be silent. He's going to work for you today. Don't be afraid and trust. And that's what happened. We know the rest of the story. Moses put his staff and uh, Charlton Heston split the Red Sea. And they all crossed it, and then the Egyptians went in there, and then Charlton Heston turned around, put the, stod, uh, the, the, the rod down, and then enveloped Pharaoh and his people. And depending on which movie you've seen, whether it be the Disney version, Pharaoh survived. If it's not, every other version, Pharaoh died. But anyway, um, that's the story. And the struggles didn't stop, though, for the Israelites. 
you know, as we see them wander in the desert for the next 40 years, they find all kinds of problems. They're hungry. They are thirsty. They find idols. They make idols. They are attacked. They attack. You know, the, the list never ends. And a big, uh, a big illusion that we face today is that when we meet Jesus, the struggles end. But that never really is said anywhere in the Bible. You know, we're promised peace. We're promised strength. We're promised his presence for the remainder of our days. But never once did Jesus say that your troubles are going to stop forever. And he even says that to his disciples before he leaves this earth. He says, in this world you will have trouble, but fear not, for I have overcome the world. He's sharing them. He's sharing himself with them and showing them that even though they're going to be martyred and even though they're going to be persecuted, he's still with them. And at the end of the day, their eternity is sealed, despite whatever it is that they face. And that's kind of where I was at that point. You know, after I had had the conversation with that fellow pastor of mine, I had to make a tough decision. And I had to either de I had to decide whether I was going to deal with the fact that I was going to be human, a human being and imperfect for the rest of my days, or I was going to be a person that struggled with this and I was going to continue to condemn myself, beat myself up, and continue to, you know, flog myself all for the sake of God's glory. And that's not what Jesus came for. Jesus came so that we could be saved from ourselves. And that means even though we're tempted, he gives us a way out. And even if we fail, he gives us a way to stand up and keep moving forward. Granted, this is not an excuse. God's grace and love is not a reason for us to say, well, I'm going to do this because God's grace and love is present in my life anyway. No. God's grace and love is a motivator. It's, it's something in our lives that so changed us, that so transformed us, that that sin is just not what we want anymore. Granted, we might struggle with it, but we don't want it. We don't want it, we don't want to deal with it, and we bring it to the Lord. And that's why he gave us the gift of repentance. So, granted, you know, I share my testimony with you this morning, and it's with the pornography addiction, but you can literally put anything else there that you want. I, you know, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know what it is that you all may be fighting or dealing with, but the principle remains the same because God is not, God is unchanging, and he loves every single one of us, and it doesn't matter what we're facing. So whether it's, whether it's infidelity or whether it's, you know, money problems or whether it's pride or whether it's, you know, heartache or whether it's, you know, I can't, I don't know. But God has come for you. He has come to save you from your sin, from your humanity, and give you a new heart and a new mind. He's called you to a new path, even though we're still human beings. And that's kind of the thing we have to realize. We are spirit surrounded by flesh. And Paul even alludes to this when he says, oh, how dreadful I am that I do the things I don't want and I don't, things, I don't do the things that I want to do. The sin is what we've leaned towards, but we so desire to follow God and obey his commands. So when we move forward in this, 
I just want to give you a couple of practical things that we can do. First, the most important thing is to realize, as Pastor Mike said this morning, that God or Jesus is a living person. He's not an idea in a book anymore. He's not dead. He's actually alive. He rose from the grave and is seated on the right hand of God the Father, who you can have an actual living relationship with. And the word coming through him is going to convict us. It's going to encourage us. It's going to help us to grow. And the living relationship is going to help us to live out that word. Because the word not lived out is absolutely nothing. They say, um, I think it's in James. I can't remember the reference, so I'm sorry. But that the man who does not do the word is like a man looking in the mirror and does not recognize himself. So, first and foremost, realize that Jesus has come for you and he's still here. He's living and with you. And that means in your prayer time and in your devotional time, you're not just reading words in a book and you're not just praying to nothing. You're praying with a, with a Lord who's also interceding for you as we speak. Hebrews calls him the great interceder at the throne of God who's interceding for us 24 hours a day. 365 days a year, not even holidays off. And that's just the power, that's just the, mag, uh, the magnificent the love that comes for us. Secondly, it's the, the fighting aspect is very, very hard because when things are going a little bit crazy in our lives or when we fight or struggle with something, we so desperately want control because we think we know what we can do. We think we know we have the answers. It's my life. It's my situation. And I'm going to handle it. And I'm going to handle it like a man. But unfortunately, we don't know how to handle these things. At least not by ourselves. Jesus left this earth and God sent the Holy Spirit to be indwelling within us. So that when we go through this life, we have the Holy Spirit to guide us, to comfort us, to remind us of the words of Jesus. And so when we're faced with a fight, ask yourself, am I coming at this in my own strength? Am I coming at this by myself? Or am I surrendering to the Lord? Am I laying down my life, my weapons? Am I surrendering all of myself and giving it over to God? Granted, this doesn't excuse us from action. Again, our faith, or the faith the Lord gives us, drives us to action. Faith without works is dead, and that's what that means. Our faith drives us to work. But it's still the Lord's constitution. It's the Lord's strength. It's the Lord inside of us. We're simply tools. Uh, we're simply weapons. Let's call us weapons, not tools. Um, we're simply weapons. We're weapons within the fight. But don't make the mistake of thinking that you are the fighter, because the Lord fights for us. And a real good way to really look at a situation and know is to is to really see how you how you're thinking about the situation, how you're feeling about the situation. So when I was struggling or when I struggle with this stuff, I'm looking at it and saying, you know, how am I approaching this? Do I really truly believe that the Lord loves me? Do I really truly believe the Lord has given me a way out? Or am I flailing? Am I like, am I fighting? Am I like struggling? Am I, am I like 
pushing the stuff away or am I am I am I finding myself in different places maybe darker places am I finding myself depressed am I finding myself you know speaking I hate to say this because this goes in a very negative or a very extreme way too but am, do I find myself thinking negatively about these things um do I find myself with a more bleak outlook I, and those are just a couple of ways to look at that. And I find that for myself, when I'm fighting something and I get tired and I wear myself down and I'm giving up, I realize that I might not be surrendering this fight to the Lord. Because when I've had the most success and victory in my life, it's when I finally laid down my life to him and I've, and I've focused on what God's called me to, my wife, my family, my job, his call in my life. And I've come at it with such passion out all of a sudden that I just have to know that it's the Lord inside of me. And at the end of the day, we have to trust the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I can't focus on this enough. The Holy Spirit came back. I focus on this so much because there's a whole sect of Christianity that believes that the Holy Spirit's not active in our lives anymore. And it's so prevalent these days that you know people actually believe that. But it's not true. The, if God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, then his word is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And if Jesus said the Holy Spirit came to be with us, he came to be with us, and he's active in our lives. And it's not, don't look for the signs and wonders of the Holy Spirit. Look for the fruits of the Spirit. Look for the faith, the, the, the joy, the love, the endurance. Look for that, because those are signs that you're walking out with the Holy Spirit. You know, at the end of the day, I, I can't say to you that I have complete and total victory in my life. I can't say that to you. I can tell you that I'm tempted constantly, but I do know that the Lord's with me. He's given me a way out. And no matter what you're facing today, I believe the same for you. And even if it doesn't happen today, and even if it doesn't happen tomorrow, or even if you die with the same struggle that you have, if you're repenting and you're trying to turn and you're trying to be faithful as the Lord's faithful to you, your eternity is sealed. And then when you go to heaven, he's going to heal all of those scars. He's going to wipe every single tear away. Amen? Um, there's just a song that I would like to have Mike sing. And... Um, I'm going to read the lyrics to you because it's just a very powerful song and it kind of goes with it this morning, what I preached. Um, and as he sings it this morning, um, I just want us to be in a state of worship and contemplation of the Lord. Um, anyway, um, so the lyric, the first verse reads, If my heart is overwhelmed and I cannot hear your voice, I hold on to what is true, though I cannot see. If the storms of life they come and the road ahead gets steep, I will lift these hands in faith. I will believe. And then the chorus reads, Love came down and rescued me. Love came down and set me free. I am the Lord. Lord, I am forever yours. So as we sing this morning and pray, I would just like to open up the altar to whoever would love to come and pray. And Tony and I will pray with you.